Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast which we disassemble a film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe in one-minute segments and then examine it in obsessive and occasionally hilarious detail. I'm Kyle Olson from the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society podcast. Hey, and I'm Rob Cabosco and Kyle. Yes, sir. Culling. Oh. I, I'm... I'm <laughs> <laughs> go in a different direction. Yeah, say like, you're, you're, getting, you're getting dark here. If you're going, get, I, going. I said I was going to go a little dark. I, okay. I mentioned this to you. Um, the word comes from the Latin collegiate, which means to collect. The term can be applied broadly to mean sorting a collection into two groups, one that will be kept and one that will be rejected. The call is the set of items rejected during the selection process. The calling process is repeated until the selected group is of a proper size and consistency desired. This is clearly something that is done it's done in produce in vegetables uh, you obviously you go to the grocery store and you see the ones that look nice the ones that didn't turn out so great of your cucumbers or tomatoes those ended up in a can or for some other use it, it happens in livestock it happens in product development and in production this is something that is necessary for all these things obviously something that it doesn't work well with is humans Mm. Even though people have tried. <laughs> so we understand that. Why would I bring this up? <laughs> yeah. Because there is a phrase uttered in this minute that I've never really considered where does it come from? And this is where it comes from. That phrase, of course, is thin out the herd or thinning of the herd. And I, for some reason, when I watched this minute, I thought about that and I went, well, who came up with that? Where does that come from? It is from this entire process that is important to civilization, not in the ways that it's sometimes used. Now, why did I go that dark route? I don't know. <laughs> but, but I thought I always like to pull something out that is just unexpected. Because here we are, minute 105 of Iron Man 2 from 2010, director of Mr. John Favreau. Uh, and we are picking up where we left off, which is in the middle of a huge explosion. Because Tony has done this amazing maneuver where he was able to fly into the Unisphere and stop and then go out again. But the drones, not knowing that he was going to do this, have uh, committed to the original flight plan and find themselves smacking into the back of Asia. So the entire Air Force drones are all wiped out in a huge firework-esque explosion in the Unisphere. It almost looks like uh, pyrotechnics going off at a, the climax of a Disney show. Uh, and so then as he's going around, then Tony banks up and flies right past the camera like, <laughs> nailed it! Um, so, meanwhile, we cut back to Hammer Industries. Uh, Natasha kicks open the door, and if you watch the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know that for whatever reason, this shot was really, really important to John Favreau. He wanted her coming in Guns Akimbo, uh, to, uh, and he had to do it over and over again until he got exactly the right angle and set of where, the, what, where she's supposed to be pointing, how, how her arm should be up, how she, she should be doing this. Um, it's also, uh, obviously, because she had to kick the door because uh, both her hands are full. And so, where did she get the guns? But, I don't know. Reg well, she had a holster. Well, no, she, did she? Had, she, had, she had a holster with one gun. I don't know if it was she had two guns, but no, you can see that when she's entering the building. That she clearly does have a gun with her. We never see on the right side, though. I don't think yeah. even in the action sequences. Yeah. She picked I, up I, a gun. Next thing is, I don't remember her having a holster at all, but I guess I wasn't looking that closely. I was looking at the maneuvers. Uh, so the happy's right behind her. Uh, she comes in, and uh, the room is empty. Uh, 
Uh, but we see on the si sign on the door, it says uh, 3082 and then 9. So what does that mean? Well, this means it's hazard level 9. And this is the UN certificate for environmentally hazardous substances, which usually means liquid nitrogen or adhesive vinyl. So that's what is that's what supposedly was behind this door, but it turns out it wasn't. So I don't know why it was that she was like, "They don't have any liquid nitrogen here. It must be this," and then kicked down that door and do it. She had some electromagnetic pulse detector sure. that pointed her to all wires going to this room. Right. I mean, it must be in those those uh, wristbands that don't seem to do anything else. Okay. Man. They're an Ivan detector. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it zooms in on on Russian. Bio signals. Uh, so as we do that, we, we do a quick shot like uh, from her POV, and we see the two guys hanging and everything, and no Ivan. And so Natasha says, he's gone. Well, Natasha says it, but <laughs> I'm reasonably sure that Scarlett Johansson doesn't, because if you go back to Minute 105 and play that, that is clearly not Scarlett Johansson saying he's gone. So it must have been one of those things where in editing... They needed that to like have that to convey because there's a lot of times the um, the overdubbing process is to like point out something <laughs> on screen right. just to make sure everybody's on the same page. Like Ivan's not one of the guys hanging from the ceiling. Everybody like he's gone. So they got a a sound alike to try and do it. And uh, there have been uh, more people doing uh, Scarlett Johansson impressions since then. <laughs> Must have been harder to find at the time because uh, this person does not sound like Scarlett Johansson at all. You know, you mentioned, when you mentioned this off mic, we talked about this. Yeah. It, yeah, once you really focus on it, it's absolutely not her voice. I mean, it's clear. It's somebody acting like they're breathing heavy, like as if yeah. they had just run down after a big fight. Yep. So they, they try to get all that in. And it's not like dubbed. You don't have to do any visual trickery because the when it's said, her face is not on screen. It's it's another angle of what's going on. But I got to tell you, like, OK, this is going to be weird. You know, why I think they had to do this. I don't know if it's because they're trying to tell the audience this. I think it was just because there was dead space in terms of <laughs> audio. Like, really, there's no True. music. It get it gets so super soft. She bopes open. She she bangs open the door. She comes in, like you said, with that stance. You mm -hmm. see clearly that Ivan's gone because the the empty chair, the the soldiers are hanging there from that from the ceiling. Um, the security guards, I mean. And I think honestly, if you had taken that out, it was just too much dead air in terms of aud audible sound. So true. I think that's why that's there. Okay. And yes, maybe to give people a connection to this. Can I make one? sort of problem with this <laughs> sure is that the guy well i mean everything on this is fine and we get now the full shot of his workshop his his you know control center with all his monitors we've been seeing and all the cords and everything okay so if if he had if he had hung those security guards to kill them yeah they wouldn't be hanging like that they'd be hanging from their necks they're yeah. not it's like he killed them and said hey you know what just just for giggles I'm right. going to hang him from the ceiling. That's exactly the point I was making when we first saw it. Like, they I cut to know. him making the call. Hey, Tony. Like, that call. They're hanging there. I was like, that clearly was done after the fact. Like, I... for just for affectation. Okay. Now, I have just waited to Just because he needed some decorations up. in the room. I, and nothing more than dead humans. Yeah. Now, look. I bring it up now because this shot, we actually, in all its horror, we see their full their full bodies with their heads. Yeah. So before, remember, we talked about this. They only shot it, like, from the shoulder down to right. give you that impression. Well, this one, you get to see the whole body. You can clearly see, yeah, no, they're not hung by their necks. Mm -mm. Like, they're hung by their torsos, right? Like, yeah. 
Well, that's that's weird and disturbing. It, it's not like it wasn't already. Yeah, but. exactly. And speaking of like strangeness of it, so apparently he is also one of those programmers that likes to work in the dark. Because like well, yes. everything we've seen, he's been just lit by the screens. But now they turn on. He's in a white room with all the lights turned on. But like, is this is supposed to be the same room that he's been furiously typing for like the last fifteen minutes, right? Maybe that's to give him some camouflage. In that, if it's a dark room, you think he's hiding somewhere. Uh-huh. To give, you know what I mean? To to like obscure you for a few extra seconds. So I, don't know. I guess you know, jumping ahead a couple of minutes and literally right. a couple of minutes. Um, at this point, he's in the suit, rocketing his way to the expo, right? Somewhere along that path, correct. Okay, because I mean, like, his suit can't fly that fast, so I mean, like, he has to be on the way. Yeah, or, yeah, a problem. Because I mean, he's flying from, I mean, obviously, Hammer's base is, I mean, like, he's not flying across country or whatever, but, like... He's somewhere getting to his suit. He's somewhere getting to his suit or in the suit. I mean, okay. yeah, he's he's on the way for that. Um, but yeah, no, this is when, you know, when you mentioned the whole thing about that's not her voice. Yeah. I can't yeah. unhear that now. Yeah. And, and so voice. I know this scene, they did a lot of, of redo in this. And so we're going to, I'm going to talk about that as we go along, but, um, so we cut back to Tony. And so Tony's like, basically like, Oh, I took care of the, those drones. So go me. And then he's flying along. He says, he's talking to Rhodey, even though he doesn't know what Rhodey is. He says, I'm sorry, buddy had to thin out the herd. And there's there, that came from what's your 20, which is obviously Please code for what's your location. Um, and so Brody turns out is flying right at him. So he war machine tackles Iron Man and then they crash through a biodome. And as we go past, we see the giant Oracle logo it's, product it's, placement. It's the Oracle biodome. Okay. Yeah. So interesting thing about this. Yeah. If we go back, we just, we, we kind of mentioned this is that after the explosion of the Unisphere, right at the beginning of this minute, there's a different shot that we get of the expo mm-hmm. and you clearly see the Oracle biodome in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Set up it's, for the future. No, I mean, it's really neat how we, we, I don't think we haven't noticed it. It hasn't been there. Cause you have never seen this perspective of the mm-hmm. expo. Right. It's funny how just a few seconds before they're already showing, they're introducing a visual element of a location that you're about to see. That's pretty sweet. I, Again, I love as we always talk about geography. I yeah. love that that's there. And even when you get this big sweeping, sh- this sweeping movement of the expo, you see the explosion, you see the towers from Men in Black, you see the main stage, mm-hmm. and you clearly now see the Oracle uh, biodome in the distance. So I like how that's all done. But the big question is, if Oracle is all about servers uh, and data storage, why do they have a Japanese garden? And the answer is, it's kind of an in-joke. Larry Ellison is a huge Japanese culture nerd. And so oh. they were like, they're doing, they wanted to have this fight sort of in this, like in the garden kind of thing. They kind of thought like, oh, you know, here, like, that'd be kind of funny if we did that. And so like, they, they, they apparently did not tell him. And this was sort of like their like wink and nod. Uh, to that so the inside of the garden is actually um, it's a set but it's actually based on the Huntington Library and Gardens which is in San Marino California uh, if it, I would say I would recommend uh, visiting it and see if you can see what the homage is if it's open and you're allowed to gather in public because who knows what the world is like as you're listening to this I hope everyone here is healthy absolutely wait so how many how many extra zeros do you think that Oracle's <laughs> check got when they said Hey, by the way, uh-huh. we're we're gonna Larry, we're gonna we're gonna give you an homage in this major set the 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 ultimate set piece of the movie. We yeah. can say he must have been very happy. Hmm. 
Straight well, you know, feet. so much of our lives is about keeping billionaires happy. Well, so. oh, <laughs> okay. What did we got to mention? We could not figure this out. Yeah. The shot directly before Rhodey gets him from behind and they crash into the pavilion. They pass what literally I cannot explain as anything other than Elsa's castle from yeah. Frozen. Yeah, like we never see that in any of the shots before. But yeah, it's like uh, apparently Arendelle has a pavilion here at yeah, the it's at the Stark very Expo. Much. I I don't know what that is. If somebody wants, uh, we haven't been able to see what that is. We probably anyway. shouldn't spend too much time on this. I mean, Rob, just let it go. Oh. So <laughs> we cut back to Hammer Headquarters, uh, uh, and uh, Natasha is there. Uh, she's putting her guns on the. She puts her guns down, and she starts furiously typing. Uh, so Happy says, "What are you doing?" And Natasha says, "I'm rebooting Rhodey's suit." Okay, so this is the reshoot part. So originally, in the, uh, far, the, the when they shot this uh, sequence, the premise was going to be. Tony was going to manually reboot the suit, but he was going to have a spike and drive it into War Machine to it, a la RoboCop. They actually, in the commentary, they talk a lot about RoboCop uh-huh. and how they wanted to try and steer away from RoboCop because RoboCop, obviously, and then RoboCop 2 especially, is two guys in metal suits clanking around and fighting. And so right. they were trying to like avoid that. So the original idea was that Tony was going to do it. And then they thought, oh, well, we already have Natasha here. She, she, she does not find the thing. Let's, let's have her involved in the action and not have that be just a giant wild goose chase. Because really, right now, it should be, oh, well, I really did need to fight all those guys because there's no reason I needed to be here. But wow. when they have her go in and actually like hack the thing, and it actually makes a beautiful kind of sense because she's Russian. So of course she can like you know whatever he has, and she's a, you know she's obviously a spy, and she's a, you know she's good with computers. That she can actually go through, and you know any stuff he has encoded, she can actually hack through and do it. So she's the one that goes through and and goes and do it. So meanwhile, Tony and Rhodey are sort of fighting like the or Rhodey uh, um, sort of like maneuvers to the the top, and then you know the the chain gun starts going, and so Iron Man's trying to stay away from it and stuff too, and then we see, like, frantically typing and shooting and typing and shooting and typing, and then Natasha goes through, and then she finally, like, gets access, and then says, like, and and then suddenly Rhodey shuts down, Tony flips him over, and then you see the lights go out, uh, and then he's coming, and and so she's, and then we see the screen changes on there too, and then suddenly, in the little corner of Ivan's screen, uh, Tony's face pops up, yeah. How? Yeah. And also, what the hell camera is that? Because uh, yeah. this is what I was talking about, the impossible angle. I look at this thing and I'm like, where is that camera? Because it seems to me that it should be about six to eight inches above his forehead. Well, it's super wide. Super wide screen but, camera. But super- no, but the it's a it's a helmet. So, like, any camera he has is going to be within inches of his yeah, it's forehead. Su- it's super wide, uh, wide angle. It's a super wide angle. <laughs> oh, it's super wide angle. Because, like, when you have a camera that's, well, no, like, he's at your do nose. FaceTime. He's got to do FaceTime calls when he's in the Sioux. We don't know that, actually. Not yet. But, yeah, but yes, <laughs> but I assume that. You that's assume okay. that. But, yeah, but uh, how did she able to get access where Ivan couldn't? And get this really bizarre angle of the tone of Tony on there. Now I get that you know, they want to establish a communication between Natasha and Tony right. at this point. Right. Fine, but like it's weird to have the thing on there at an angle we've because it's not the POV we've been seeing for the whole fight scene of like the straight on with the thing. It's 
you know, not it's 45 degrees above. Okay, so let me let me let me let me retcon this for you. Okay. You notice that the image doesn't look like a necessarily video. It kind of almost looks like a heat map, right? It's got kind of like that look to it. Well, it's using a monochrome monitor or so right. Okay, now here's what I think is happening. Remember we talked about in early, early parts of this movie, we talked about QR codes and we talked yes. about Tony using the his phone to get access to a monitor. Yeah. I think she has accessed an ability of the war machine suit to do a visual heat map of Tony's face. <laughs> and that's what you're seeing. My God, that's brilliant. That's also garbage. Wow. But- <laughs> No, no prize for you, man. No, there's no. That's garbage. Yeah, that's, we're, gonna, we're gonna see it for the next couple of minutes too. Yeah, we're gonna, um, no, and that's the thing is it plays a role in this, and it is really kind of like technically you're like, how is that happening? And I can deal with the idea that there is an ultra wide angle camera in his faceplate because I I can see that, but I don't know why it looks like this. I don't know why they have access to it. I don't understand any of that. Um, okay, can we just? I want to point out something. During this whole sequence. Sure. And by the way, I kudos to the environment. Did, did this was this was not a practical set, was it? It this was a, a partially practical set, but almost okay. like but there's no running water or anything. So like right. uh, I think he, he talked about in the commentary that the foreground stuff you're seeing is right. and then everything from there on is not. So like basically anything beyond the the guys essentially is right. all CG. Okay. Uh, we're coming to something I just one of the many things I love about this movie. This is such a surreal environment. Yeah. Because of the lighting, because of how lush it looks and beautiful and it's silent and the it's surreal. Like I don't have a better word for it. Right. Yeah. Like I love how this looks. Can I tell you one of my, also one of my favorite parts of this moment is I don't know if anyone has ever uttered a single word with such emotion than Don Cheadle does when he says Tony. Yeah. Because I got to tell you, you, we just talked about words that we don't think come from the actress that they're from, right? Yeah. And kind of like a throwaway thing. When he says Tony, what's acted in that moment is, dude, I love you and I'm worried that I'm yeah, going to hurt you. You're about to die. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, dude, we may have to make some decisions here that are not great decisions. Yeah. Because I don't want to do this to you. It is awesome. <laughs> Like, literally, no kidding. I can't oversell this enough. One word. And you get what he's saying in that word. I love it. Yeah. I'm I'm loving it. Yeah. It's good. So uh, we get Natasha says, reboot complete. And that's where Minute 105 comes to an end. So she's got system access, reboot complete. He's laying on his back. Yep. Cut to an, all these other great exterior angles of in this environment now. So we're getting we're, we've been introduced to this crazy new environment. We're getting the lay of the land. We start to see that there are various elevations, which may prove to be important. And uh, <laughs> yeah, this is it. I cannot wait to see what happens next. But you're going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the end well, of it. Okay. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, we've uh, we've done a lot of work for you here. We've talked about, uh, you know, UN safety things. We've talked about the, the culling the herd. We've made nice with another billionaire. Uh, we've sent you off to California to do some tourism. I mean, I think if, if anything, that would warrant possibly you giving us a review. 
huh? What do you say? I mean, we put a lot of work into this episode, and uh, I think it'd be nice if you could uh, clicky-clack your way over to one of your uh, services that provide the this podcast to you and uh, maybe drop us a couple stars. Maybe a, hey, fellas, nice job. Let, let me try. Okay, yeah, go ahead. You do your pitch. Five stars, do it now. <gasps> Ooh, wow. <laughs> Rob takes the hard line. <laughs> I was doing the I was doing the the soft guilt just like I was brought up, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, come on, yeah. give us some scratch. Just yeah, you you're loving this. We hope we hope. <laughs> uh, so we're back here for minute one hundred six because it's a garden party. You're invited, and you're not gonna want to miss it. Enough said. Bye.